It's time to get empowered. Welcome to the Empower Hour. This is empowering. With Jill Anderson. She's like an inspiration. Release your inhibitions. Feel the rain on your skin. No one else this is Jill Ann Anderson with the Empower Hour. You're listening to episode number 67, The Power of Being Kind to Yourself. In this incredibly competitive society of ours, how many of us truly feel good about ourselves? It seems like such a fleeting thing, like feeling good, especially if we need to feel special and above average to feel worthy. When we think anything less, we feel like a failure. You know, there's no better time for this subject because I like to call the world we're living in right now our hashtag selfie-centered world. How many times do you take a picture of a selfie and you go, oh, I don't look good. Erase that picture. I need a new one. Or worse yet, you get online and you are sucked into social media looking at everyone else's pictures and measuring and comparing yourself to all of the other pictures. Am I good enough? And when you don't feel good enough, you feel like a failure. The desire to feel special is totally understandable. We all want to feel special. We want to all feel like we matter. The problem is, is that by definition, it's impossible for everyone to be above average at the same time. Now, there are some ways we can excel. And guess what? There's always going to be someone smarter, prettier, more successful. So what do we do with this? Well, for most of us, our coping mechanisms don't work well at all. We are very hard on ourselves. To see ourselves positively, we tend to look at ourselves through our ego. And that means we put other people down so we can feel good in comparison. This strategy comes at a huge price. Here's how. It stops us from accessing and reaching our endless potential in life. If, if I have to feel better than you to feel good about myself, then how clearly am I really going to see you or myself for that matter? Here's the cost of our self-judgment. Continually feeding our need for that positive self-evaluation is basically like stuffing ourselves with candy. (laughs) We get that really super brief sugar high and then crash. It's It's right after the crash that we start looking at ourselves in despair And we realize that however much we'd like to, we can't always blame our problems on someone else. We can't always feel special and above average. And that can be devastating to be looking at yourself in that way. It's almost like you're looking in a mirror. And and how many times do you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see? 
both literally and figuratively. And then that whole shame stuff starts to set in. We are all so incredibly hard on ourselves. When we finally admit some flaw or some shortcoming, what do you say to yourself? Are you saying, I'm not good enough? I'm worthless? I'm an idiot? I'm disgusting? I hear my clients talk about how they have such negative self-talk. It, it's horrible. But the truth is, is that we all do it. In fact, my favorite self-judgment saying that I say to myself is, Jill, you're such an idiot. And it flows out of my mouth without me even thinking about it. So it's not surprising that when we speak to ourselves in such a horrible way that we want to hide that truth from ourselves. We want to hide the truth that I really have nobody to blame but myself when it comes to the state that my life is in. And we have areas in our life where it's really hard to fool ourselves when you are surrounded in social media and in the media with, with these skinny, beautiful, airbrushed pictures of women or people that are rich and successful. And then we start the comparison thing and we beat ourselves up and then we lose faith in ourselves. We start doubting our potential. The, then we become hopeless and we, we get on what I call the hamster wheel of life and it's super hard to jump off. There is another way. There's a way to jump off that hamster wheel. It's to stop judging and evaluating ourselves all together. We need to stop labeling ourselves as good or bad and simply accept ourselves with an open heart. Treat ourselves with the same kindness, caring, compassion that we show to our good friends or sometimes even a stranger. Sadly, though, there's almost no one that we treat as badly as ourselves. So how do we do it? We start with self-compassion. So what is self-compassion? Well, you're not going to believe it, but listen in, because self-compassion starts with compassion for others. (laughs) I know it sounds weird, but it really does begin with other people. So Imagine you're stuck in traffic on the way to work and a homeless man tries to get you to pay him a buck for washing your car windows. He's so pushy, you think to yourself. Oh, he'll make me miss the light and be late for work. He probably just wants money for for his drinking or drugs. And oh, I don't want to even look at him. I hope he just leaves me alone. But he doesn't leave you alone. And you just sit there hating him while he washes your window. And then you feel guilty if you don't toss him some money. And then you feel resentful if you do. Then one day you're struck, like you're struck, like like a bolt of lightning. There you are 
in the same traffic, at the same light, at the same day, and there's that homeless man again with his bucket and squeegee. Yet for some unknown reason, today you see him differently. You see him as a person rather than a mere annoyance. You notice his suffering. How does he survive? Look at all the people that just shoom away. Here he is out in traffic and all the exhaust fumes and certainly isn't making much money. And, you know, at least he's trying to offer something in return for the cash. It must be really tough to have people so irritated with you all the time. I wonder what his story is. How does he end up on the streets? That is the moment of compassion for others. When you see that man as an actual human being who is suffering. When you do that, your heart connects with him. Instead of ignoring him, you find to your amazement that you're taking a moment to think about how difficult his life is. You are truly moved. You're moved by his pain and to feel the urge to help him in some way. Importantly, though, is what you feel is true compassion rather than pity when you say to yourself, There but for the grace of God go I. If I'd been born in different circumstances, or maybe had just been unlucky, I might also be struggling to survive like that. We're all vulnerable. Now, the other side of this is that there might also be a moment when you harden your heart completely. Your own fear of ending up on the street, causing you to dehumanize the horrid heap of rags and beard that that man displays. You know, I can't even begin to tell you how many people do that. But it doesn't make them happy It doesn't help them deal with the stresses of their life, their work, their business, their relationships. It doesn't help them face their own fears. In fact, the hardening of the heart, which involves what we think feeling better than the homeless man, just makes the whole thing that that much worse. Let's say you decide to be open. Let's say you really do experience compassion for the homeless man's misfortune. How does it feel? When you begin to experience self-compassion and compassion for others, it feels good. It really does. It's wonderful when you open up your heart because you immediately feel more connected. You feel more alive. You feel more present. And as human beings, we are hardwired for connection. Now, there's also the other part of this um, that I've heard people say that, hey, let's say the man wasn't trying to wash your windows. Maybe he was just sitting there and he was just begging for money to buy his drugs or alcohol. Should you still feel compassion for him? Yes. You don't have to invite him to your house. You don't have to give him any money. You might decide to give him a smile 
or maybe a sandwich rather than money, if you feel like that's the more responsible thing to do. But yes, he is still worthy of compassion. All of us are. Compassion is not only relevant to those who are blameless victims, but also to those whose suffering stems from failures, personal weaknesses, or bad decisions. You know, like the stuff you and I do every day. (laughs) Compassion, then, is just involving the recognition and clear seeing of suffering. And then it involves feelings of kindness for people who are suffering, so that the desire to help, to, to help relieve suffering, finally begins to emerge. Compassion involves recognizing our shared human condition. It's flawed and it's fragile. So, how does compassion for others tie in for compassion to ourselves? Well, self-compassion, by definition, involves the exact same qualities. It first requires that we stop to recognize our own suffering— We can't be moved by our own pain if we don't acknowledge that it exists in the first place. So there we go. We got to feel our feelings first. And for a lot of us, that's a hard thing to do because feelings sometimes hurt. Sometimes it's obvious the pain is so hurtful. But if we are in a rut of pushing our feelings deeper inside of us and covering it up, we don't actually realize or recognize when we are truly suffering. You know, I I was born and raised in the Midwest. We have that strong uh, European German culture that I was raised in was, hey, you know, suck it up, buttercup, put on that stiff upper lip, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I was taught that you don't complain, you just carry on. If we're in a difficult or stressful situation, (laughs) I rarely, being raised that way, take the time to step back, take a breath, and recognize how truly hard it is for me in certain moments of suffering. When our pain comes from self-judgment, So if you're angry at yourself for the way you treated someone or you made a stupid remark at a party or like I did this past week, I sent an email to someone and didn't address the email with the person's name. I mixed up her name. Oh my gosh, as soon as I sent it out, I was mortified. I immediately thought, oh my gosh, what is she going to think of me? I'm such an idiot. (laughs) We typically don't recognize such moments like that as pain in that I need to be worthy of a compassionate response because, you know, after all, it was just an email, right? I messed up. Doesn't that mean I should be punished? Well, do you punish your friends or family when they mess up? Like, what if my daughter sent out an email with somebody else's name on it? I would kind of giggle. And I think, oh dear, she must be really busy or overwhelmed. (laughs) But we don't do that with ourselves. Every single person makes mistakes at one time or another. It's a fact of life. 
And if you think about it, why should you expect anything different? We were created perfectly imperfect. We are not perfect. So one of the downsides of the culture that we live in is that we have this ethic of independence and individual achievement, and that if we don't continually reach those super perfectionistic goals, we feel like we only have ourselves to blame. And if we're at fault, that means we don't deserve compassion, right? The truth is, everyone is worthy of compassion. According to the Dalai Lama, human beings by nature want happiness and do not want suffering. With that feeling, everyone tries to achieve happiness and tries to get rid of suffering, and everyone has the basic right to do this. So, from the viewpoint of real human value, we are all the same. Rather than condemning yourself for your mistakes and failures— You can use those experiences to soften your heart. Let go of those unrealistic expectations of perfection that just end up making you so dissatisfied about yourself, all by giving yourself the compassion you need in that moment. So how do you react to yourself in your life? I've got some questions I want you to answer. How do you typically react to yourself? What types of things, number one, do you typically judge and criticize yourself for? Is it your appearance, your career, your relationships, your parenting? Number two, what type of language do you use with yourself when you notice some flaw or make a mistake? Do you insult yourself or do you tend to take a more kind and understanding tone? Number three, if you are highly self-critical, how does this make you feel inside? Take some time to really consider and get in touch with your feelings. Number four, what are the consequences of being so hard on yourself? Does it make you more motivated or does it tend to make you discouraged and more depressed? And number five, how do you think you would feel if you could truly accept yourself exactly as you are? Does this possibility scare you? Does it give you hope? Or maybe even both? When we embrace our pain with caring concern, when we give ourselves compassion, the tight knot of negative self-judgment starts to dissolve and is replaced by a feeling of peaceful, connected acceptance. Now, go take action on being more self-compassionate so you can live better and work better.